0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline, the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host, Erin Royer. This week, I'm going to be talking about toddler development, both what is considered normal in several areas of development and some things child development experts consider to be red flags to watch out for, that if you see them, you would want to bring up to your child's pediatrician. Then I'll answer a couple of questions that came in this week and both just happen to be related to different areas of child development, including separation anxiety and sexual development in early childhood. During the toddler years, there are so many changes going on so quickly, not just the physical changes that we can see, but also inside the structures of the brain. Many parents find themselves wondering and even worrying about what changes and behaviors are considered normal and when they should be concerning. Understanding your toddler's development by learning about normal development and red flags to be aware of helps to create better discipline exchanges and stronger relationships. What's interesting to note about development is how all of these areas of development, motor development or physical development, cognitive, language, social, emotional, and sexual, all interplay off of one another. There is so much going on because each of these areas relies on several, if not all, of the others in order for the next level of progress to occur. So, I'll share a little bit about a couple of areas of development, starting with motor development. Motor development is basically development as it relates to the musculoskeletal system and the neurological system that works in conjunction and is divided into two types. Gross motor which is large muscle groups that are used for things like crawling, walking, running. Think arms, legs, trunk of the body, and neck movements. Then there is also fine motor skill that uses all the smaller muscles that need to be developed to do things like talking, manipulating stickers, blocks, and other toys, as well as pencil grip for drawing and writing. In general, boys develop gross motor skills earlier than girls, but girls develop fine motor skills earlier than boys, so we want to keep this in mind and challenge our girls with the large motor tasks to develop that area, and boys with tasks that develop the fine motor skill. What's interesting is that just like I mentioned about how intertwined development is, motor skill affects cognitive development because once the child can move, he can explore and engage with his environment more fully. It affects language development as the fine motor skills are needed for talking, and it affects social development both through the need for language as well as the motor skills for play. So it's important to note that there is a wide range of normal, not just in this physical development area, but in all areas of development. When it comes to physical development, though, we can really see that some kids walk as early as nine months while others could be 18 months. What you want to see is progression. Your child going from all fours to rocking, to crawling, to pulling up. Now, some kids will skip crawling altogether, but you get the idea. If you are concerned, keep a journal for a month or two. If your child stops progressing, and especially if your child is going backwards, then you'll want to make an appointment to see your pediatrician right away. You also want to look at each child as an individual some children are more hesitant to try new things. For those kids, they are obviously going to progress slower than those who are more gung-ho to join in or try new things. For more on this, the class on temperament covers ways to gently encourage your reluctant child in ways to engage in activities, as well as ways to support children who are higher risk-takers in pushing their boundaries in safe and appropriate ways. You can find the class on temperament on the website, yourvillage.com. Online.com, if you're interested to learn more about that. Now, I will cover a few of the red flags for gross motor development. There are five main areas of physical development that I don't have time to go into today, but I wanted to take some time to cover a few red flags in this area. If you see these, you will want to make an appointment with your child's pediatrician to get a plan for treatment. With that said, I am not an occupational therapist. Or a physical therapist. However, I have had training that discusses the importance and overlap to these areas. If you are concerned, start keeping a journal of your child's milestones. For anything in the past, write down anything you remember. If you end up going to an occupational therapist, he or she will ask for a history. So your records will be very helpful getting the process started. So here are some red flags. If your child is excessively clumsy, and the key term here is excessively, it's very common for kids under three and four to bump their heads on a table while standing up. Highly active children also tend to be more clumsy than less active children. But if your toddler is doing things like bumping into walls or is always hitting the door jams on the way through, that would be excessively clumsy. Also, another red flag is your child complains of persistent pain or fatigue. These, two could be an indication of a sensory processing problem, which stems from an issue with the vestibular system. This system regulates the sense of movement, the body, in relation to the ground, such as speed and movement through space, without falling. The information comes from the inner ear, so a child who struggles may tire easily and be overly clumsy. The child may avoid particular movements and new positions, may rock, pace, avoid being upside down, or turn their entire body around rather than twisting. And or they may be sensory seeking and move constantly as they are in need of more stimulation, such as always running, because movement will orient them in space. Lastly, if your child's skills are regressing, this can be a big red flag. So be sure to get seen as soon as possible. The topic of development is really big, and I was really hoping to share a little bit about language development as well, but I have two great questions that I want to have time to fully answer today. So I'll do another episode in the next month or two and cover some information on language development. But if you have a specific question or concern about your child's development, feel free to send it in to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. You also can see the new class on the website, Your Developing Toddler, which covers these six different areas of development, fine and gross motor, cognitive, language, social, emotional, and sexual development, including the expected milestones by age in six-month increments for each of these areas, red flags to watch out for in each of the areas, and ways to support and work with your child's development in these areas, such as the gross and fine motor, social-emotional and the cognitive and language development. You can find this class on the website at yourvillageonline.com under the development section, again, called Your Developing Toddler. The first question is from Lisa in Montreal. Lisa asks, my four-year-old has been fine with rough-offs at school and also attending gymnastics class for months now with no problems. All of a sudden, she's having an absolute fit at both. We can handle school because I leave and the teachers take over and she's fine within a few minutes. But gymnastics class is different. She's so enthusiastic when we're at home and is the one who gets herself dressed without any prompting. But as soon as we get there, she won't go into class. I kept thinking it would get better again, but it's been going on for over two weeks and I'm at my wit's end. I've tried everything, going in with her for a couple of gymnastics class sessions, But now I just tell her I can't and she has to do it on her own or we have to go home. I have a two month old and I'm just not able to sit in the class every week. I've tried starting the class with her and then leaving, but the moment I get up to leave, she freaks out. I try pointing out all the other kids in class and the mommies waiting outside, but nothing seems to be helping. I don't know what to do other than quit gymnastics for now and try again. But she used to love it and is just so excited while we're at home. So I hate to do this if there's a way to work through this. Please help. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Visit HomeThreads.com slash parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's HomeThreads.com slash parenting to get your code for 15% off your order. Because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. Lisa, I know this can be especially frustrating when it comes to extra activities. At school, the teachers take over and you can leave. But with extracurricular stuff, you are on the premises and kids know it. So it can make dealing with separation anxiety extremely difficult. It's also hard and can feel embarrassing when all the other kids are having no problems that day and yours is the one having a full-on meltdown about you not staying. So I'll start by sharing a little background on separation anxiety and then give you some options so you can choose which option feels most comfortable to you for handling this right now. It's very normal for separation anxiety to come and go throughout the preschool years and even into early elementary up to about age seven. So obviously your daughter is in the stage where it has reemerged, And I guarantee on almost any other day, it's going to be someone else's kid. And everybody knows this feeling. With separation anxiety, where we want to start, is we want to make sure to support our child's feelings. We need to be okay with their feelings of insecurity. I'm also guessing that the new baby may be fueling this new bout of separation anxiety, at least in part, and maybe overlapping with some sibling rivalry over time with mom. So here are some options. Your first option is to go into the class with her and stay. If you go in at the beginning of class, then you need to be prepared to stay for the entire class. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that and nothing to be embarrassed about. So long as she's participating and not sitting beside you, then this is a perfectly legitimate way to deal with it. It probably won't last long, a few weeks to a month. But if you're just not comfortable with this, either because you're juggling the baby or just because you want her to participate in the class without you in it, then the other option is to stop gymnastics for now and try again when you feel like she's truly ready to do it on her own. I'm also going to give some guidelines for supporting her and cutting down on any feelings of insecurity that may be arising around sibling rivalry. Now, the rule of thumb is when it comes to kids and babies, err on the side of the older child, and especially when it comes to toddlers, because they just don't understand. I remember when I was pregnant with our twins and our oldest was still not even two. He was actually 20 months old when they were born. I was so scared and worried about having enough time for all of them. Infants take a lot of time and energy, and I had two on the way, and yet Carter was still just a really little guy himself, and a needy little guy at that. But I followed this rule, and it worked out very well. When the baby is napping or going to bed earlier, give attention to your daughter and explain how bigger kids get to stay up. When you need something, ask for her help. Ask her to bring it to you, but without expectation. But when or if she does help you out, give appreciation and explain the important role of being a big girl and how helpful she can be. Basically emphasize all the positives of being an older child, all the things she can do for herself and how she can be your special helper because the baby really can't do anything for herself yet. She also gets to play the role of teacher as this baby gets older. These things should really help alleviate your daughter's anxiety of feeling replaced and any of those feelings around sibling rivalry that could be contributing to this separation anxiety. Now, if you haven't already, I highly recommend watching the class on separation anxiety. There's a lot of great background information that helps you understand it a lot better, as well as things to do to minimize it throughout the preschool and early elementary years. You will probably find a lot of these ideas Helpful as a child who exhibits separation anxiety has a tendency for reoccurrence up through age seven. And one of the things I talk about in the separation anxiety class is the slow transitions. Now, this doesn't work for the extracurricular class, but it gives some explanation and gives some more understanding of separation anxiety and why it's okay to be present while your child needs you present up to a degree. So the slow transition tells you how to do this at school where you basically, you stay for a couple hours and then you slowly transition yourself out knowing that your child is going to be okay and giving them increased independence at school, and the exact steps of how to do this. Now, I remember when my daughter was, I think she was three still, and I, they had been going to this preschool for months and months, and all of a sudden, she was having this bout of separation anxiety, and she knew the teachers, they were wonderful, and sweet, and caring and kind and her two brothers were also at school with her so you know two of her family members were there and they went right into the school no problem she just was went through a period of I don't know two weeks to a month where she was just really struggling and one day and so one day I said to her I said you know what why don't you spend an extra hour with me today? I need to run some errands. Why don't you come with me for an hour and then I'll bring you back to class. And that's exactly what I did. I just spent a little extra time with her that day, just her and I, let her run around, do some errands with me. And then I had some work I had to get done. So I took her to school Dropped her off. We still had some separation anxiety issues. She was still a little clingy and that was okay. But I did my drop off, gave her the hug, gave her the reassurance. I would be back later in the day. Everything was fine. And I did this with her a couple of times. I did it a couple of weeks in a row for one morning for an hour. And after that, the separation anxiety dropped off again. I don't know if my spending extra time with her was helpful in that process or not, but it helped me to feel good about spending a little extra time with her, and I think helped her feel that extra attachment to me that she was really needing and wanting. Now, you may also want to watch the class on sibling rivalry and fighting to make sure you're supporting a strong and positive bond between your two daughters now and as they age, and these classes can be found on the site at yourvillageonline.com. Separation anxiety can be found on the development and health tab and the sibling rivalry class can be found under the modern parenting tab. For listening to today's episode, I have a promo code you can use, YDT, for your developing toddler, YDT, all caps, to use for the new class, the sibling rivalry class, or the separation anxiety class, or on either of the membership options, the monthly or the three month for 20% off. You can enter the code on the checkout page down at the bottom. The next question comes from Emily, originally from Boston, but currently living in Hong Kong. Emily asks, how do we teach children that private areas are private and just for ourselves while still encouraging body awareness and openness? I don't want my kids to be shy and ashamed of their bodies. I also want them to have a strong sense of what's appropriate and what's right and that they have choices. I have a six-year-old boy who uses hilarity to cover up the fact that he's super curious about the body. His, mine, his sisters, his friends. Then I have a -a four-and-a-half-year-old girl who just got off the bus last week, having shared what's under her undies with everyone sitting around her. Much to her big brother's embarrassment as well as entertainment. This is such a great question, Emily, because it is so common with kids they become aware of the differences between boys and girls around the ages of three to four and become very curious about those differences. It is common for kids to not only touch and show their private parts, but also to inspect and even touch each other's. And I love your attitude because it is so important to teach societal norms and expectations, but without shaming and while keeping those body positive messages in place. So when sharing our expectations around sexuality, and societal norms, we want to keep the attitude in our mind that we are teaching and coaching just like it's any other social rule or like saying please or thank you or not talking with our mouth full that we brush our teeth before we go to bed. Keeping this in mind will help us to keep the tone of delivery serious, but without throwing in any undertones of shame, if that makes sense. So we teach and then expect our kids to remember to say please and thank you but they forget sometimes. The same thing goes with teaching about keeping private parts private. We teach and coach, but if they forget in a moment of silliness, we remind of the rules just like anything else. So I'll share the general guidelines for coaching younger children about the social norms of private parts. First, it's really important that we always use the correct anatomical terms for private parts, penis and vagina. Using cutesy names sends the message of shame and secrecy around sexuality. So, to keep the lines of communication open as they get older and have questions, we need to lead the way by showing we are confident in talking about these things, even if we don't feel confident inside. And that starts with using these proper terms. As I alluded to already, when our kids do something that is inappropriate, just like talking with a mouthful of food, we correct and coach. We remind them of the rule. So for your son, you could say something like, I know you're really curious about the differences between boys and girls, or men and women. And I'm happy to answer any questions you have. But remember, your penis is a private part. So that's not something we show to our friends. And actually, you could use something very similar for your daughter. And I just have to share an anecdote from when I was a little girl. I still remember this, and I don't know what I was thinking or why I did it, but I was six. You know, I pulled up my dress and pulled down my underwear and told him to look under the table. I don't know. I don't know why I did it. You know, no adult ever found out. No one ever spoke to me about it. And I never did it again. So obviously these behaviors are extremely normal. Now for any parents who are also wondering, because this is quite common, young kids like to explore their genitals sometimes. So the way to help kids keep healthy attitudes about their bodies is just to invite them to go to somewhere private, like their own bedroom, rather than in a shared family space. This way, we're letting our kids know that it's okay to explore their bodies, that it's just for them, but then we're setting the boundaries around it, that it's not something that we do around other people. Most of the time with little kids, they'll just stop and move on to doing something else. And Lisa and Emily, if you have any follow-up questions, or any of my other listeners have parenting questions, please feel free to send it in to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. To see what episodes we have coming up, you can go to yourvillageonline.com slash podcast. And don't forget, you can use the promo code YDT for the new class, Your Developing Toddler, under the development tab on the website or the Sibling Rivalry class, or Separation Anxiety class as well, or either of the monthly options for 20% off. Thanks for listening to this episode, and see you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun...